Before we get started, we want to let you know that AHR Interview is available to stream and subscribe to on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. To find us, use the search term American Historical Association. Welcome to AHR Interview, a production of the American Historical Review. I'm Daniel Story. Over the past few issues of the journal, the AHR has begun broadening what it selects for review beyond the confines of the scholarly monograph. The April 2018 issue featured a set of film reviews. In June, documentary history. In October, museums and public history sites. And in the December issue, we add yet another genre for review. The graphic history, or history in comic book form. In this episode, we speak with the guest editor for this set of reviews, San Francisco State historian Trevor Getz. Getz is a historian of gender and slavery in West Africa. His recent work includes the 2018 book, A Primer for Teaching African History, published by Duke University Press, and with illustrator Liz Clark, the 2011 book, Abina and the Important Men, A Graphic History, which is now in its second edition with Oxford University Press. Getz discussed his thinking about graphic history, including why historians should take this genre of writing seriously, with AHR editor Alex Lichtenstein. So, Trevor, tell me a bit about why you think the AHR should review material like comic books uh, in the first place. This is our special cluster of reviews of comics or comic history. And in your introductory essay, you talk about why we should take comic history seriously, as you put it. So why should we, as historians, take comic history seriously? Well, I I think that uh, there are a number of answers to that. And I I can make some uh, large claims. And I'm going to go ahead and do that. Um, The first is, I think the journal has taken on the decolonization of history. Uh, to a certain degree, and what that means, and that this uh, the graphic history genre is part of the unflattening of history. Uh, new media, new audiences, new historians, uh, questions of who can make history and how we make history, um, looking at vernacular and popular ways of interpreting the past and taking them seriously. Uh, And that brings me to what I think is probably my second argument, which is that we should take comics seriously. And we should take them seriously because they are, you know, really carefully, intentionally designed artifacts. Um, They're not just, they're not just sources. They are in their own way, uh, uh, histories, uh, at least those that are designed to interpret the past. They're histories that, um, have multimodality, so they have a variety of ways of looking at and expressing uh, this interpretation of the past, different tools uh, for looking at the past. And I I think for that reason, they're important. Um, I think that by not taking them seriously, what we do is really abandon them to mediocrity. And I think that by historians taking them seriously, we can actually improve the way that this medium is used to look at the past, and I, I really want that to happen. Great. So now, uh, to, to be clear, you know, we're not talking here necessarily about comics or comic books as historical sources, which is one important use for them, but actually as forms of uh, historical narrative that might uh, substitute for or at least complement 
what we regard as uh, the main ways that we get historical information and pass it around, the historical monograph. So, but these aren't new, as you point out in your introduction, this genre of uh, using graphic uh, narrative to depict history is, uh, is not brand new. So talk a bit about the history of this genre and then what some of the recent developments within the genre are. Sure. I think we can, I think we can push the genre back if we try to, uh, to the beginning of the century, the beginning of the 20th century, at least in several traditions. Um, certainly in the French tradition, uh, we can look at folks like Gustave Doré, um, who tried to do what he, he called uh, picturesque and caricatural histories. Um, and I think that, that uh, we can trace from there that building into really the Franco-Belgian uh, tradition of band designé. Um, in the Japanese, uh, uh, Japanese uh, also we have this, this, this contribution to an attempt to understand serious things through comics going back at least as far as the 1870s um, and merging with a sort of uh, British uh, comic tradition, cartoon tradition that comes over and we get these really great gen uh, journals like uh, Marumaru Chimbom, um, and, and in the U.S. a little bit later. But really, for me, the big transformation does take place around the Second World War. And that's where we see, uh, also in these three, three areas uh, of the world, um, really new work trying to grapple with the war. Um, I think that um, Edmund Francois Calvo's La Bete Mort is one of the most important of these. Um, but probably the best known for us is Spiegelman's Mouse, which is an attempt to not only take on a history of the Holocaust, but uh, more importantly, equally importantly, to really think about the role of history and intergenerational trauma. Um, Do you think historians took, took Spiegelman seriously when it first came out, or was it largely ignored by the historical profession? By historians, perhaps ignored, but of course, you know, it's a Pulitzer winner. Um, it was taken seriously by a lot of people. Um, and, and, and I will say that uh, people who teach history started to use mouse in the, in the 80s and, 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 and certainly the early 90s to teach history. So history teachers used it. But of course, you know, part of uh, what I see as the problem is they used it to teach the history of the Holocaust and not to take on these deeper historical um, philosophical issues that he wanted to take on about uh, the, the presence of history in the present. Um, and, and a similar thing in Japan with, with Barefoot Gen and Nakazawa's work and, and, and other work. Um, uh, at first, it was seen as being just a memoir, um, but later uh, it came to be seen as a history uh, in its own right. And, and that's, that's been slower. So talk a bit about the texts that uh, you and I both chose to review. I mean, what were you looking for? Because there are many, many of these books. In fact, I remember we talked at the AHA just about a year ago, and we were both standing at uh, the book display and noticed all of these amazing books coming out in this genre and sort of were overwhelmed by how to pick which ones to review. So give us a few examples of, of what we chose to review and, and why they struck you as reviewable in this sure. genre. Yeah, I think one of the things we wanted to avoid were illustrated histories, where the text does all the work and the art is just sort of there to entice you and, 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 and interest you. We wanted books where the art and the text are both doing historical work, are both opening up the reader to kind of interpret and think about the past. Um, and we wanted, I think, a, a good geographic selection. We wanted work that had been individually produced, produced by teams. Uh, we wanted work where historians had been involved, formally trained historians, and others that were um, 
somewhat more uh, autobiographical. But in all cases, we were looking for work that the text that did interpretive work. So um, I think uh, I think one of my favorites certainly is Ari Kelman and Jonathan Federborn's Battle Lines. This is a really interesting history of the of the Civil War that's really carefully designed, um, and where the two of them. I know for months went back and forth about how to do the art and the text and, and sometimes we're in conflict with each other. Um, it's, it's, it's a history that takes art seriously um, and takes the multimodality of the comic seriously. So that's one of my favorites. Um, Michael Vann's work with uh, artist Liz Clark, uh, the great Hanoi Rat Hunt uh, is an interesting collaboration as well. Um, one that's more based on documents, but again, where they did some interesting things with the art, um, I think to to really be expressive and then the best known of course is Congressman Joe Lewis's March Which is aid Andrew a din um, Suggested should be a comic. Uh, it's really I think uh, Eric Arneson has does a great job of, of, of reviewing it um, And then and then the you know Manuel Spain Rodriguez is a very well-known comic artist uh, and he decided to do an underground comic at a certain point about one of his own heroes uh, che Guevara. So we look at that text together with um, Cuba, My Revolution, which is uh, a look at the Cuban Revolution from someone who lived through it, uh, Everna Lopez, somewhat politically on a different side uh, of things from uh, Rodriguez, we could say. Uh, and then we wrap things up with Joe Sacco, of course. Joe Sacco, you know, here's, here's a guy who uh, is, we commonly call a journalist. Um, but who really wanted to look at and go back and do something that was historical and understand it. Uh, and Footnotes in Gaza, I think, is really uh, one of these books that attempts to, you know, Sacco sits there. It takes him hours and hours and sometimes days to do a page. So everything is very, very carefully designed to convey a message. Um, so that was the collection that we, we ended up with. I think there are others that could be reviewed. So uh, I know some of our colleagues are probably going to say, well, this is all well and good, but essentially this genre is pretty much perhaps useful in, in the classroom, but in doing so, you're dumbing down history. I mean, what, what is it about, let's take battle lines, for example. Uh, how does this genre, in fact, advance historical scholarship? What sort of research is it based on, and how does it allow that research to be presented in a way that doesn't just kind of dumb down the past for undergraduate use, which is what I think many people suspect this trend is all about. Sure, Maybe yeah. Booksellers advertise them, for example. Yeah, right, right, right. And, 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 and unfortunately, you know, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of teachers still sort of say, I'm going to use a, a graphic history in my classroom because the students will like it and it will be a way for them to enter history. You know, that's all fine and, and, and good, but in fact, um, what we can do is we can introduce students to a whole new vocabulary and lexicon of, of, of signification uh, that the multimodality of the medium allows us to use. So, so this is where Battle Lines comes in. So, for example, there is a great section of Battle Lines when they're looking at um, uh, race uh, uh, riots and events in New York during the Civil War. Um, they're able to present three experiences next to each other, um, mm. using the page as a way to uh, uh, be both simultaneous uh, at the same time. The artist simultaneous is at the same time as the, the text advances the story chronologically. 
It's very difficult to do this when you only have one mode, where you only have text. Right. Um, and they put three social experiences next to each other. Uh, a young, uh, a working class uh, Irishman, uh, essentially a, a more middle class uh, young white man, and, and an African-American youth uh, next to each other, all of whom are experiencing the same events from different perspectives. And they use the art to great advantage to do this. I should add that this is reviewed by Josh Brown, who has long been an innovator in this area. So uh, someone who comes to it having done this sort of thing that is uh, bringing graphic art and history together for uh, at least two decades, maybe more. But to, to go back to that line, so are these characters uh, composite fictional characters or are they based on real characters? Again, here I think is a place where some historians would find these narrative forms unsatisfactory because they are semi fictional or semi-autobiography uh, in, in the more contemporary cases. Right, of course. And, 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 and we should be hiding the, the ways that historians make fictional leaps, mm -hmm. right? right. We all do it, rather than exposing it. Well, you know, um, so I, I am actually very friendly to the debate uh, as to how we can make better graphic histories that really take on um, the question of how you deal with information that you don't have. Uh, you know, for example, when we don't know what somebody looks like, we're, we're working off allegory in some ways. Um, and we should expose that uh, when we're working in this medium, just like we should in some ways expose it when we're working in other media. What, 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 what Kelman and Federvorm do that's fantastic um, is that they do in many ways by using uh, artistic style, expose where they're creating composites and where they're working off of original documents and sources. Mm. Visual uh, documents as well as written documents. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and objects, you know, found objects and, and archaeological objects, all of which can be, can be presented in this way. So, so I do think there's a lot of experimentation still to be done on how you footnote, if you will, right. um, a, a, a graphic history. But uh, I do think the best of them find ways to sort of express and make clear where their research is coming from, and where they're, where they're coming up with these uh, new ideas. Certainly, certainly, I think that this is a great, a great feature of the great Hanoi rat hunt. Um, it's got these, these text sections that go along with the graphic section, and where these issues are kind of brought out into the open by Michael Van uh, and, and, and Liz Clark. So uh, if there are historians who want to get involved in this sort of thing, even if they're not particularly artistically inclined, how would they go about doing so? So I, I think that there are a number of different ways to, to get involved. I, I will say that I think it's very uh, nascent still, um, uh, but there are several collectives you can find uh, online where historians are looking at uh, either through a radical lens or another lens, looking at, at these kinds of things. Certainly, Oxford University Press's series, um, graphic history series, is, is one way to uh, develop graphic histories like this. And Oxford University Press has gone out and, 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 and sought authors to do this kind of work. Um, I think that a lot of the work that, that needs to be done right now is about developing not more graphic histories, but really critical looks at graphic histories, things like the set of reviews, um, and, and, and determining you know, I'd like to see journals do what the AHR has done and, and take on this task of not merely embracing the graphic history, how wonderful, or saying it's not scholarly enough, but creating the structures around which we can sort of uh, interrogate how graphic histories are useful histories, 
and how to make them better. Um, and where do you see the genre going? And we also should say that, that our guest, Trevor Getz himself, has written one of these graphic histories. You can put a pitch in for yourself here, Trevor. But uh, when you did it yourself, uh, talk just very briefly about your experience doing this and then where you see this genre going in the next you know, five years or so. Sure. I think like many historians, I came to this not understanding uh, the ways in which art can, um, art, art can be uh, an interpretive uh, tool for understanding history as well. I, I saw the art more as in service to the text, and it was only really working with Liz Clark and getting into the second edition that I understood uh, how, in fact, uh, the art itself can be um, an important way of conveying these ideas. Um, but I also realized that we need to train a generation of readers who can read art the same way that we have to train them to read text. So what I do think will happen in the next few years, and many of us are working on this, is that we'll put together the kinds of guiding texts, both for, for teaching and for doing scholarship, uh, that will hopefully create, um, I don't know, a field is the wrong word, but, but certainly uh, a, a debate, a conversation around how to create more powerful graphic histories, and hopefully um, there'll be sort of a collective attempt to do these things. But we have to do that work. Um, and I would say that historians have not participated in that work. And I would say that a lot of artists and other creators have not wanted to take on the critical um, sort of uh, roles that historians uh, want to force on them to make these better as well. And so we have to work together to do, to do that. I hope we will. All right, well, I have two, two suggestions in conclusion to suggest how we might do that. One, you should probably try and run an NEH workshop or seminar at San Francisco State or elsewhere that uh, invites lots of people to come work on this genre, thinking about how to, to uh, make it more robust. And secondly, I'm excited enough by this that I think you and I should put our heads together and come up with five or six titles that we can review in next December's issue and uh, keep doing this and make it a regular feature of the journal if, if we can. So uh, I'd really like to do that actually. I, I love the second idea. I have some ideas. And for the first idea, if there's anybody who wants to collaborate with me on that kind of grant, uh, contact me. I would love to. All right. Thanks for speaking with us, Trevor. Appreciate it. And I urge people to go read these reviews and, and think uh, long and hard about how the genre might speak to different constituencies in the historical profession. That was Alex Lichtenstein, speaking with San Francisco State historian Trevor Getz. Getz was the guest editor for a set of graphic history reviews that appears in the journal's December 2018 issue. You can listen to more episodes of this podcast and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Find us with the search term American Historical Association. I'm Daniel Story. And this is AHR Interview. Thanks for listening.